Greetings to all of you as we move into the month of love. February 14th, Valentine's Day. In fact, you would want to know, Winning at Home is sponsoring a marriage rendezvous covering the Grant community. We're going to be part of the entire area up north. Uh, Grant uh, High School is sponsoring and allowing us to use their facility, a beautiful facility there for a citywide uh, almost celebration of marriage. And so pray for us as we seek to pull this off. Uh, we've had a great turnout so far looking to fill the place up, and I just invite you to join us in prayer for that specific night. I'll also be doing other events related to celebrating the awesome day of Valentine's. Check that all out on our website, winningathome.com. And let me just say thank you for being a part of who we are. I have so much feedback from those of you who get this CD. It's an exclusive CD we send to those of you who are what I consider some of our key supporters and donors, and I thank you so much for your kindness and believing in what we do. We do have a premarital event coming up. We have it in Holland in February the 22nd, and then in Grand Rapids on March the 14th. So if you know someone getting married or looking forward to being engaged, make sure they connect with us and go to our website and sign up to be a part of that special day where our counselors give guidance on those topics of communication, sexuality, finances, all kind of stuff, and it's a fun day together. You also know that we opened our new downtown uh, facility. God has blessed us very much. We'll be having a huge open house there coming up in the spring, but right now we're just getting up to the place where we're functioning, and we're making sure everything's flowing smooth. So far, so good. And we thank you for your prayers as we seek to make a difference in those who uh, are a little more underprivileged than some of us who are part of this CD club. And I'm in that category, and I recognize that. And I want to bring hope and help to those who are hurting, sometimes even the financial areas. And so let's pray and ask the Lord to continue to guide and bless as we reach into that community. I also thank you for just taking time to listen to what we offer here at Winning at Home, and that's going to be true today. I'm talking about becoming one on this CD, and I trust as you listen, your heart will be encouraged and you will be inspired as God hopefully speaks to you in these next few moments. So let's go live now to me sharing a message called Becoming One. And today I'm specifically going to talk to those of you who are married couples because the theme of this message is Becoming One. If you're here and you aren't married, I hope these principles are principles you can apply in your life as you move into a relationship. So tuck them away or hold on to them and let them be pivotal for you in terms of moving into healthy relationships. Uh, I told you last week that to write that message, I'd kind of sit in my office on a little stool and just kind of thought. Uh, thought about who would be in the audience different places they would be in for life and did the same thing this week. I, I thought about couples who are here who are freshly married. Uh, you're experiencing some oneness, but there's depth coming you don't yet know about and things coming you don't know about. I, I thought about couples who have been here and you've been married a long time. There's a lot of water over the bridge, or over the dam, and, and you've seen a lot of very difficult things. Uh, in fact, it would be shocking if you walked up here and told me the stuff that happened since your wedding day. Jane and I were riding in the car not long ago, and I said to her, just think about the things that we've experienced in our marriage from that wedding day. Because when you get married, I was at a wedding this summer, man, and, and you do that unity thing, and, and you're one, and you walk out together, everybody's clapping, you're thinking to yourself, now this is oneness. 
In fact, at that wedding afterwards, I sat at a table with three couples, uh, reception there. Jane and I were sitting at the table with these three couples. And I just said to them, can you guys believe the stuff you've been through? Because I knew a couple of the couples. I said, a couple of things you've been through since you got married. Can you believe it? And they're like, no. I said, if somebody would have told you on your wedding day, you're going to go through that. Would you have said, yeah, let's go. Or would you have said, let me think about this a little bit longer. Because some of you have had that. So even when I say having marriage oneness, you're like, mm, maybe we could have if that hadn't happened. If we hadn't been through that experience. So today, that's what I'm going to try to speak into. How can you have marriage oneness no matter the circumstance or situation? And my job as a pastor is not to fix situations, is to present to you the gospel and what the Bible says, and then you get to go home and apply it. I want to encourage you to go have conversations about this. So often we come to a message like last week or this week or next week, and we, we're, well, what's next week's sermon about? Forget about that right now. Let's live where we are today. And let's leave here and have some conversations about how to develop more oneness in our home. Now, the passage I'm going to read to you today is from Ephesians chapter 5. Let me tell you the context of it. Paul wrote this passage, same author as last week. He wrote it to a society of Greco-Roman thinkers. Let me, let me put that in perspective because so often when we read scripture, we don't go back and put the context of it. So here was a society that said women and children are not important. They don't matter. What matters is me as a man and what I think. That's the letter. That's the people Paul wrote this letter to. So when he first starts writing, I think that whoever received the letter in that Greco-Roman society would have started reading it and going, yeah, yeah, I like that. L let me read the first part of the letter. It says, submit to one another, Ephesians 5, 21, out of reverence for Christ. Submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. Then it says this, and those ears of those Greco-Romans would have perked up and they would have went, yeah, with, with these phrases, wives. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And those guys would have went, yeah, I like that. I was thinking if I ran for president, not going to do it, but if I ran for president in America today, 2020, I put my name on the ballot and I said, here's my platform. My platform is this. As the Christ, as the church submits to Christ, women, you submit to your husbands in everything. You think I'd get any votes? I don't think I'd win presidency. Because that's not the way our culture thinks. That culture liked that. But then Paul turned them on their heads. Paul took those men that were going, yeah, when they read that. And then he wrote this to those Greco-Roman men. He said, and then husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In other words, be willing to die for her. Those guys would have went, what? What kind of teaching is that? That's nonsense. That They would not have liked this letter. Because Paul told those men... When Jesus came along, he leveled the playing field. And he said, women are valuable. They have the same value as you, and you get to die for them. And they would have said, uh-uh-uh. That's not what I'm thinking. And Paul says, yeah, but that's what oneness is. 
Husbands, goes on. Present your bride as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish. Holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands, love your wives of your own body. And then it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's what Paul said to a culture who would have said, I don't like that. He was trying to bring a oneness to society. If Paul wrote that same passage in today's day, it would have a different feel. We live in a culture today where we're understanding and learning more about equality. And I want to show you some principles that I believe are right in that passage. I'll show you. I'll prove it to you. And as I sat this week and worked on this, and the last couple of weeks I've been putting this together, there were the principles of oneness that started coming to me that I want to show you are straight out of this passage. And here's the first one, something I want you to get today. You need to work to understand each other's heart. That's Christ loving the church, the church loving Christ. See, it compares the husband to Christ and the woman to the church. And when the two work together, oh, that is some unity right there. That is some heartfelt love today. Um, there's not a one of you that walked into this place that you have a burden in your heart. You have something in your heart you're struggling with, you're working through, whatever it is, okay? You walk in here, Jesus says, I understand you and I love your heart right there. I've never uh, gone to the altar uh, as a child growing up. Sometimes I do altar calls here. And, and when I've, when I've, so there have been times I've preached and gone down to my own altar call, responded to my own sermon because it touched my heart. Something in it touched my heart. I've never left that and thought, man, Jesus doesn't care about that. Every time that I've laid it before him, I feel peaceful. I feel loved because he cares about my heart. I, I would just say to all the spouses in the room, do you know what makes your husband or wife's heart tick? Do you understand them? Do you use this phrase, I just don't understand how you think. That's not creating one. Your spouse doesn't hear that and go, oh, I feel so one with you. It's just the opposite. To be loved and cared for and understood like Christ loves the church means... I want to know what makes you tick. I want to know what makes you feel the way you do. Share it with me. Talk to me about it. It's not a cutting them off and not caring. That's oneness. If you're a spouse in here and you have that from your spouse who's sitting beside you, you love it. But it takes effort. I was thinking about um, a young couple having a child. And how much understanding it takes in those first days, weeks, and months, and sometimes lifetime. Because you have this little baby, first one you have together, and I'm going to show you a guy's mindset. This was mine. I cared about that. Alan was born. I remember the situation. Jane was in labor all night. It was a long labor. But I remember thinking, how do I help her? How do I add those thoughts? But I got to tell you, the real thoughts I had in my mind, and maybe I'm just selfish and I don't get it about myself, but in my mind was also going, shoot, that baby's getting first priority on her. I mean, this woman who I, 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 we shared time together, we had time together, and all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm over here. 
Don't forget about me. Do you see what I'm thinking about? My heart. To have understanding goes, wow, I can't imagine the hormone change you've just gone through. And now you've got this baby and nursing and that's not always easy in the beginning and you're not sleeping much. Wow, you were, how many, how many times were you up last night? You're tired. How can I help? That's understanding. And then the wife in the middle of all that goes, well, I understand you're struggling probably some too. You, I, I can't be for you and be with you as I have in the last little while. So this is a new stage. That's understanding. That's life. And that's where many of us get disconnected. And there has to be effort on both parts. Not to think about me and what I want. Let's go to the second point. Not to be about me and what I want or what I'm thinking. But this idea of going, it's about us. Rather than just about me. That's a mindset change. You change your mindset when that happens. And it requires inside of you, throw those next two points up, it requires not only a mindset change and thinking about not I win or you win, but we win. It also requires you to take time to ju not justify selfish behavior and, and, and saying things like this. I don't understand you. I don't get it. I don't know why you can't think of me and my needs. No, there's a unifying thought in your mind that goes, I need to think about us. We need to pray together. We need to seek the Lord together. We need unity on this. I didn't do that right. I was pretty good at it. I was a pretty good dad. Now, my daughter Christy's sitting here. I, I poured into my children. But there were times I didn't think about us in our marriage with Jane. My marriage with Jane. I thought about me. And of course that's going to happen. But check yourself. Make sure your mindset is not about you. I had this young couple in my office last, probably a year ago. The dude could not see that everything out of his mouth was about himself. What he wanted, the way she needed to work on something, it was just the way it was. And I tried to tell him, I'm like, look, I know this is going to be hard for you to see, but dude, you're, there's a lot of me in there. Can you see how selfish you're being? I'm not being selfish. Yeah, you are. I could not do it. And he didn't, I have to say, we finished that session, he did not really like me. <laughs> My nature is not to back down in those sessions and go, it's okay. I'm going, no, dude, either you, either you face this or life's just going to keep going on that way for you. Some of us have lived this way so long that we don't notice how much me is in us. And I'm challenging you to not make excuses for that selfish behavior. To not say, well, I'm just unaware. Work to be more aware. Because that's what brings oneness. Today, I got to let y'all know something. Um, starting over here with my daughter all the way over there. Y'all have things in your life that probably you don't really talk about. You know, we have superficial relationships when we greet each other. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Nice to see you. Good to see you in church. You too. Nice to see you. But inside we're going, I got some hurts in here. I got some things inside me that I'm struggling with. Jesus knows all of those. He's aware of them. And he cares about them. And you need to work to say to your spouse, what, what are things inside you that 
I could, I could encourage you with. I, I'm, I don't want to just be clueless here. Share it with me and become more one that way. I'm not telling you this stuff's easy, but if you leave the message and you go and you don't have conversations about it, you missed what this was about. It's about having that unity and that oneness. If you've got the Greco-Roman mindset right now going, I don't really want to hear that. You, you need to face that about yourself. Because it's something in your life you can work on. Another step to oneness is being willing to discuss anything, especially the difficult things. In this passage, it says to present her without any blemishes, no flaws, no things that need to be addressed. If that's going to happen, some conversation's got to happen. And this requires, in that, in that passage too, this requires some active ingredients. One of them is submissive spirit. Uh, Jane and I, for years, um, there have been a couple of issues we just haven't been able to discuss. And Dan's been growing. I got to tell y'all, my daughter's sitting here. I hope she's seen some of this. I'm, I'm trying to finish my life softer. So Jane said to me a while back, I don't want to finish the rest of my life, you know, fighting through these things. I just want us to have peace. I heard that. I, I didn't say much about it when she first said it, but I thought, man, man, if, if I pass away and, and, and she stands by my casket and she sits there going, I wish I could have had peace with him. I don't want that memory for her. So I decided I'm going to change some of my behaviors. I didn't say a lot about it. I was quieter. But I realize if I don't work to change this about me, if I don't have a submissive spirit, if I don't do that, we're going to finish our life probably still kind of going at it. And one one of my daughters had said a while back, as I think back to our childhood, I can remember you guys kind of arguing some. I don't want that. I don't. I want them to finish going, dad and mom are more peaceful. If that's going to happen, there's got to be some change, I'm telling you, in me. So I decided, look at yourself, look at myself, what am I like? What, if my family described me and we're in those situations, what would they say about me? And I thought they would say, he elevates, like Jane and I start getting into something. I can, I'll tell you this, like, look at me, look, 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 don't, don't I look kind of assertive, aggressive? Look at my eyebrows, they're up. Um, my eyes are a little more open. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, this is how I normally stand around. That's what I look like in those situations. So, I was like, I gotta change this. Because I've noticed, I started noticing about Jane, when I change to this look, um, there's this wall that goes up. A protective wall for her in her mind. I, I gotta, here he comes! Better get your guard up! So I thought, I'm gonna do the exact opposite. I'm going to do the exact opposite behavior. So I, I remember when I first started working on it, we'd be in the car, something would come up, and normally I would drive a little faster, grip the steering wheel a little tighter, and go, well, it's not all me, you know, and all that. There it goes, eyebrows, a little faster. The car, get out of the way, here! You know, I, I, assertive, aggressive. And I thought, I'm going to do just the opposite. She said something, I didn't necessarily like it, and I went... Well, that's interesting. <laughs> Face plane, volume. I call it ha my half volume me. That's what I tell her now. Ha you're going to get half volume me. And then if it, if it escalated anymore, I would be like, oh, that's interesting. 
That's really interesting. Slow down. Car going way lower speed. Her enough to go, you need to speed up. No, we're good. And at first, he's like, what is wrong with you? I'm, like, I'm just trying to not get worked up because inside, you know, all my little capillaries are popping. And I'm wanting to go crazy, but I want to finish life really peaceful. And so I'm just going to try to be peaceful. I really do this. We were in Florida for a week, and we had a couple of times where I just went, half volume. I really, if I don't do this, we're not going to improve. And here's what's been interesting through this process, okay? I know my children go, what's wrong with him? I, I've changed with some of it. I don't respond like I used to. I have my moments, but not much. And I notice, here's what happened. In my half volume, well, honey, I, um, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. I would really, um, if you don't mind, I don't, like my mind doesn't process things. Oh, let me speed up a little. My mind uh, doesn't process things the same way yours does. So you know what I would really love? I would love you to tell me how you got there. Now, in the old day, that would have been, I don't even know how people can think like you. <laughs> now it's, I don't understand, and it would be so beneficial to hear how you arrived at that beautiful conclusion you know and so I started listening to her tell me I'd say take me back to how your mind just explain it to me and she would explain it to me seriously I've had this happen where I go that makes a lot of sense I never thought about that that's good man let me think about that a little that's so helpful and then she would say, well, tell me how you're thinking. I've had times where probably two out of ten I'll tell her. But the other times I go, I don't need to. I'm good. And we are more peaceful. I'm a lot more chill. That looks weird. Because sometimes you're like, you got, where's your little pump, your energy? I'm trying not to bring that because with it comes trouble. I mean, I'm trying to. I know. I say to her, it's still down in there. Don't worry. It ain't going away. But I'm trying to work to submit and then understand. Well, watch this. When you do share, don't use what's shared against. So if she shares me some area she's hurting or I've caused some hurt. Later, don't go, well, you know why you're that way. That, that's what we do. Your spouse shares something intimate about themselves, something they're struggling with, something they're wanting to work through, and then later you go, well, you know you're that way. I remember when Jane told me, well, my family, Dan, and me, I'm, I can just be really stubborn. I used that for years. Well, you know the problem here, you're stubborn. I used something she shared with me, a flaw, a weakness, an area of struggle. I used it against her. How non-one is that? You don't use your spouse's flaw to your advantage. You embrace their flaw and say, let me love you through that. That's a mindset change. Those Greco-Roman men would have been going, I'm not going to do that. And I would tell you there's something inside of us today that goes, that sounds like a good idea, but I don't really know if I want to try it. Yeah. Because to experience oneness means submission comes. But I'll tell you this next point. If you do it, you will find safety and security in your spouse. 
you'll find security. Today, we find security in Jesus. Like I say, you're not going to bring anything to him this morning that he doesn't go, I got you. It's okay. You know, there's nothing more sweet than falling into the safe arms of your spouse. Uh, Jane uh, rubs me a lot. She scratches my back, touches my head. It's just, it's just one of those things where if I can get her watching a movie or reading a novel and I can work my body into the right position, she will rub and touch my hair for like an hour. It's awesome. I feel safe there. I feel secure there. I feel loved there. And I believe that we as couples, look, look, whatever your spouse is dealing with, let them trust fall into your arms. And you go, I got you. I don't care what the issue is. I'm not going to let you go. Some of you today would love to have that. I would challenge you, have a conversation about it. You might need a counselor to talk through some of that because there's been a lot of water over that dam since you said I do. And there's, on, on the I do day, you say, oh, yeah, trust fall in my arms. But after about a year, uh, go ahead and let you bounce. It, it's just changed. And I'm challenging you to get your arms out. Let your spouse fall into them. And that requires, next point, to love Unconditionally. Always. Unconditionally means nothing will stop it. Always meaning till death do us part. There's a story. John Ortberg, you know him, he's a writer and pastor. And he was telling the story of this dad who had his little boy with him at the grocery store. He's in the shopping cart. You know, you guys who have two-year-olds or four-year-olds, you put them in there and you're pushing them around. And sometimes they have meltdowns just seems like the grocery store brings that out and they're melting down you're trying to get those last things trying to get through that stinking checkout and you got 25 items and you're in the 20 lane and you just can't get it figured out and the kid screaming out of control and the more you try to stop him the worse it gets so this dad pushing the little two-year-old and he was saying billy it's going to be okay billy i love you billy it's going to be fine we'll make it through this and this mom saw him doing that and walked over to him and said you are so patient with your little boy. And he says, oh, no, ma'am, I'm Billy. I'm talking to myself right now. I, I'm Billy. You're going to make it, Billy. You're going to be all right, Billy. And sometimes in marriage, unconditional love looks like that. Your spouse is falling into your arms and you're going, I can do this. We're going to make it. I'll push through it. I made a commitment. I'm sticking together. This is going to be fine. That's not easy. Sometimes you just got to put your head down and get through it. It doesn't sound like the wedding day, does it? You don't stand on your wedding day and go, oh, I'll push through it. Do you? I reckon. You want to do it the rest of your life? I guess. No, you're sitting there going, yes. Oh. And it's just the way it is. But about a year later, mm, mm, it's life. A year later, you're pushing through it. And I don't want you to give up. 
In fact, I want you to take that unconditional to the Robert McQuilkin level. Compare the little two-year-old in the grocery store to Robert McQuilkin. He was the president of Columbia University, and he, his wife, Muriel, uh, developed Alzheimer's. And true story, he wrote a resignation letter to the school. He's the president. He wrote his own resignation letter, took it in, laid it on the VP's desk. His wife had been kind of following my dad has some alzheimer's i i get it he he doesn't know where he's at all the time and doesn't remember what he just said and he wants to follow me when i start leaving and muriel his wife started doing that and and she was walking out in the cold he would go to work and she would walk out in the cold with no shoes on and finally he just said i gotta resign and he wrote this letter it's clear to me that muriel muriel needs me now more than ever you see, my decision was made to resign probably 42 years ago when I promised to care for her. Sickness and in health. So as a man of my word, integrity does have something to do with it, but so does fairness. She's taken care of me for 40 plus years, so if I did it for 40 more, I would not be out of debt to her. And then he writes this, and I'm reading all this to get you to three words. He said, duty, however, can be grim and stoic, but there is more. I love Muriel. She's a delight to me. She's like a child again. Her confidence in me, her look at me, her occasional flashes of what she used to be. I relish it so. I don't have to care for her. Here's the three words. I don't have to care for her. I get to care for her. You don't have to go home and work to become one. You get to. Last night was Saturday night. There were lots of people in this area driving all the way to Grand Rapids to some place to try to find a companion like you have. They went to meet someone. They maybe even went out on a date last night. And this morning they're going, it's not the one. You, you, you have that person. You get to be in a relationship you are blessed to have the opportunity to go and give unconditional love always that's called oneness and i challenge you to go do it i'm past my time but i want to at least throw the other points up there let's go to them this one is next it talks about not allowing your parents or family members to manipulate your relationship in unhealthy ways leave your father and mother it's what it says in genesis by the way that started when god took the the uh, rib out of adam it says adam said this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh and it says he will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife there weren't even father and mothers at that point they were the first ones so god knew this was going to become an issue he stuck it in genesis he's like i better cover this they don't have parents in law yet but that's going to become an issue so let me get it in there and then Paul reiterates it at the end of this passage when he says, leave your father and mother. And so I want to take a moment and say to you, biblically, when you get married, you are to leave home. You say, Dan, that means I can't have a relationship with him. Of course you can. This is a different sermon. I need to come back and do a whole sermon on this. Of course you can have a wonderful relationship with your parents. That's awesome. Just don't let them make your decisions. They don't decide where you go to. Well, our church has gone to this church. Our children, our family's gone to this church for a hundred years. This is the church you must go to. That's not your parents' decision. 
You get to decide for your family where you go to grow. You say, I don't really like the way you're speaking. I want to control my family. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to speak to you. There are a couple of people I watch. One's a man, one's a woman. They control their family like crazy. They do it sometimes just with looks. That, that look where the family says, hey, can we do this? Mm, I guess. Um, sure, go ahead. <laughs> if you're here, you might not see that about yourself. If the rest of the family is here, I'm calling you out and I'm saying, call the bluff on that. Say, I'm sorry. What was that look for? The Bible says I'm not supposed to. You say, Dan, what's your, what are you standing on to say that? The Bible. If I had not left my mother and father, loved my parents to death, but my dad would have never let me leave six miles South Carolina, I wouldn't have come here and become a pastor. There was some cost to it. My daughter, Chrissy, never really got to know my mom as her grandmother the closest I'd like to. Do I, do I hurt for that? Yeah, I hurt for her that she never got to know my mom. My mom was a wonderful lady. She didn't get a lot of time with her. But I still believe this is what I was called to do. I believe my purpose on this earth is being fulfilled. And I believe my daughter will be fine. And I believe she'll grow and God will provide what's needed for her. And some of you need to understand what God asks of you is more important than what your parents ask of you. My son this morning is in Philadelphia. He's actually preaching this morning. Jane happens to be out there this Sunday. She's getting to hear him preach. If I hadn't released him, he'd still be in Holland. I told him, dude, you go where God called you to go. I don't get to see him a lot. That hurts. I love him. But he's honoring God. Let me just show you. If you don't leave and cleave, you'll build a family tree and it'll look like the one on the left. One or two branches and it'll be pretty gnarly and your children will look and go, I don't want that. Hey, here's a picture of my family tree. We got one branch. We all grew out here and just kind of hung over together. I want the tree on the right. Chrissy and Brandon live in Grand Rapids. Josh lives in Philadelphia. Do I wish sometimes they were closer? Of course. But I want them to go fulfill their purpose. And for that to happen, they need to leave their daddy and their mama. You say, I don't like the way you're talking. I know. I've lived in West Michigan a while. I get it. I get it. But I'm not here again to make you happy. I'm here to tell you what God's word says. Do it healthy. Have a healthy family relationship. It'll be beautiful in the long run for your children. And then last, I close with this last point. There is a love and care that isn't describable in human terms because your souls are united. It's called in scripture a profound mystery. In other words, I could stand up here the rest of the day and preach about what it means to become one in soulmates. I, I can't. Part of it's just a profound mystery. Sometimes Jane and I have been invited to go to those mystery dinners, you know, where you go have dinner. You're supposed to find out who committed the murder, kind of a murder mystery kind of thing. We go to those things. I enjoy the dinner and I say to Jane, I'm ready to go. I, I don't, just tell me who killed who and we'll be done for the night. I don't like going figure, go in this room and try to find this clue and that clue and the other clue. Jane loves that stuff. Well, let's go clue hunting. And I'm over there going, let's just go home. Because mysteries take work. And some of you will leave and go, that's a good sermon. I mean, he's a decent speaker, but that, that sounds like a lot of work. 
embrace something today and go home and work to become one so you give your children healthiness. Lord, thanks for these families, couples. Help us, Lord. What I'm talking about isn't easy. So bless us as we go home to try to grow in building our relationship to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I trust the Lord will use those words to inspire you, encourage you, lift you up, and help you realize God has a purpose in your marriage and God has a purpose in your life. And I trust you'll be encouraged to pursue that today. Thank you again for all you do to help us do what we do. We are so blessed to have your partnership and trust the Lord will continue to be with you and your family. If we can help you, just simply let us know. Thank you so much. God bless you on behalf of all of us at Winning at Home.